You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. To listen to previous episodes, visit thinkingcountry.com or find the podcast on iTunes by searching for Meet the Farmers. Hello and welcome to Meet the Farmers. It's the 1st of November 2018. It's the day of the East of England Farming Conference and I am trying to get up to Peterborough. <laughs> Been stuck in traffic for the last two hours. It's looking highly unlikely that um, I won't be significantly late. But I should be able to bring you a selection of the day anyway. The theme for the conference is Are You Fit for the Future? which could have several different leanings to it, both on a personal and a business level. Oh, here we go. The sirens coming through. That's not a good sign. Yeah, so I'll be interested to speak to people attending about what they think that means. And also, of course, other issues that are at the forefront of their minds. I arrived in time to catch the last 15 minutes or so of the politics and policy session, and afterwards spoke briefly to Neil Parrish, the MP for Tiverton and Honiton, and the chair of the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee. I'm with Neil Parrish, MP, who's chair of the EPRA Committee. Neil, thanks for joining me. You were in that first session, which was all about really looking at leadership and, and policy and, and the big ideas behind. Fit for the future. What does fit for the future mean for you from a political standpoint? Because for 40 years we've followed the common agriculture policy, now we're out into a new world, so we need to have farming, food production, environment all linked, and it now will be very much down to British government to deliver that, not the common agriculture policy or Europe. I want the industry to come in and really ask what they want. Environmentalists are saying, because we can fit everything together, but it's got to be done and, and done relatively quickly. So fit for the future is about good environmental standards, but also being competitive and delivering good quality food at a reasonable price. While you're here, you've got a busy day ahead. Can you just give us an insight into your schedule today? Yes, going back to do budget votes. Um, I've got to be back by four o'clock. As long as the train runs OK, we shall be fine. Uh, but I really enjoyed it this morning. You've got some good speakers there, some more good speakers to come, because I think we really have got to put ideas again. I scrutinise government. I'm a chair of a select committee, and I'm looking forward to, de- to looking at detailed policies which are not in the Ag Bill, because it's an enabling bill. So I'm looking forward to the future drilling down in detail. The conference did well at profiling innovative and forward-thinking farmers and practitioners, giving delegates an insight into how certain farmers are future-proofing their businesses, engaging with customers and the wider public, undertaking scientific trials on their farms in partnership with other organisations, and generally planning to deal with the potential challenges that they will face over the next few years. With this in mind, I spoke to Brian Barker, a farmer from Suffolk and panellist in the second session chaired by Tom Bradshaw. I'm with Brian Barker, who farms with his cousin Patrick in Suffolk. Brian, you were talking about bridging the gap between research and farming on the ground. Can you introduce two listeners, because I don't think we've talked about it before, the AHDB Strategic Farm Programme, which is part of the Farm Excellence uh, Programme? Yeah, so basically the AHDB wanted to promote knowledge-to-knowledge exchange from farmer to farmer. And so they introduced the Monitor Farm Network, uh, which is now countrywide. It's in phase four. Um, highly recommend anyone getting involved. There's all over the um, different counties. There's, there's one which is in within an hour's drive of you. So you'll go and meet farmers, like-minded farmers, about 
learning about what's going on in a set business, whereas the strategic farm is the next step up. We're getting all this brilliant research coming from the institutes and the um, colleges and the universities, but how can it actually be related to a farm level is what the remit of the strategic farm is. So how can we put the top-end research down on the ground to show farmers what the actual research means? So I was in the first um, cereals and oilseeds AHDB strategic farm for the country. We've now got one in the west, so Rob Fox um, over at Leamington. And so now we're building this platform. There'll be another one the year, um, the year after in a different part of the country. So this is the next level to basically show where research can be brought down to farm level. Briefly, because I know there's an immense amount going on in your farm, but introduce me to some of the trials that you're undertaking. Yeah, so basically year one, it's a six-year program for the strategic farm. So year one was baselining. So basically drawing a line in our sand. What is our farming system? and what's going on. So we looked at soil sampling, we looked at the um, earthworms, weather data, drain sampling, just basically what our system is currently giving back to the environment and the landscape, wildlife auditing, all this sort of stuff, which we're very keen on. So that's year one, and this is sort of the blueprint. And then from that, so many questions have come out of it. So one big thing was nutrient loss, nitrogen leaching from drains, we're now looking at how cover crops can reduce nitrate leaching compared to overwinter ploughing. We've seen, we've seen, got the data from last winter. We're then going to snowball it for the next few years to see if we can then actually make some answers to reduce nitrate leaching, but maintain our production elsewhere. So there's loads going on. We're then looking at early biomass, crop biomass coming into the winter. If we can get a bigger, healthier plant early on at the start, when we're being told we need to delay our drilling because of um, black grass and, and aphids and BYDV next year. How can we get a healthier plant going into the winter so when it comes out in the spring, we don't have to apply as much and we apply it much smarter, then we can get benefits long-term financially. Um, so that's another sort of wing of, of interest. And then we've got, once you've got it growing, how low can we go with inputs? There's so many questions that say, oh, we want to reduce our uh, demand on pesticides, on our bag fertilizer, how can we reduce that? And so we're looking at five different varieties in one field, farmed under four different levels of investment, depending on what the actual um, season throws at us next year. And so then we'll be doing cost analysis, cost reduction against variable rate. And all this, it's, it's, it's a lot of going on. I think I've got more white canes in fields this year than pretty much the whole of the country, I reckon. Yes, I'm glad I'm not inside your head. That's what I'm saying. You, uh, you mentioned a few times blue bag syndrome. <laughs> Are farmers overly obsessed with, with application of N? Uh, nitrogen fertilizer, I call them moron farmers. Oh, moron, moron, moron. <laughs> By applying more, it's, it's affecting our system dramatically. And when you look at it, well, 50% of it pretty much gets unused by the actual crop you're targeting it for. So we've got to get smarter. We've got to get an understanding of the implications of it. What has on the bigger picture of our farm system? Um, we see nitrate leaching is a problem. It costs the UK government and the water companies millions and millions of pounds. So can we get smarter at doing that? Yes, farmers can. Um, it's not just bagged fertiliser, but they can say that the government in the Health and Harmony consultation and the research they did said that 50% of all um, nitrate, nitrogen pollution can be traced back to agricultural source. So we need to get better as an industry for FYM, farmland manure, slurry, 
bagged fertilizer, we need to get smarter and that's why we're trying to sort of just challenge the mindset of farmers to really understand their implications on the farm system as a whole so we can benefit long term. And finally you mentioned the Health and Harmony report and the consultation that we all took part in yeah. and will hopefully be listened to. Um, continued professional development, CPD, is I know something that's quite close to your heart, it's close to the hearts of many uh, forward-thinking farmers. Is this a realistic prospect, do you think? I, when I blue sky thinking with health and harmony, I sat there and go, well, if we had a farm like, uh, example of a tiered system, like a, a food hygiene school where five stars are, are looked at at the best, can we get it that a CPD would then highlight the farmers who are doing it well in the government's eyes, we're looking after our environment, we're looking after our food production, we're doing it in the right ways that they want. Can the five star farmers get rewarded in however we can see fit by either payment or grants or, or a higher grant percentage, whereas the ones who don't show that continual development of their business, they're the ones who throw the carrot out there to drag the, the, the bottom end farmers through to then aspire to be a five star and then that will get publicised on your farm gate so people can drive along going, wow, five versus one, what are they doing differently? And so we sort of put something into practice that will actually inspire farmers to go and do it better and this comes into everything from environmental credentials, health and safety, finance, succession, all this sort of stuff can be brought into a professional development system. So I would like to see it and how it's implemented is a completely different thing from what I'm trying to do at home. <laughs> Brian, thank you and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. The conference is fairly young with this only the fourth event to take place in its history, but it's organised by the East of England Agricultural Society, which has much deeper heritage. Over lunch, I sat down with the conference chair, Tom Martin, and one of the session chairs, Emily Norton. I'm with Emily Norton, who's the Director of Rural Research at Savills, and also a Nuffield Scholar, and Tom Martin, who's the chair of, the current chair, I should say, of the East of England Farming Conference. Fit for the future, what does this mean to both of you? Well, really, what we didn't want to do was to fall into the trap of talking about Brexit all the time. Well, whilst there's a great level of interest, there's a, there's a weariness as well. And so, really, what we can do uh, as farmers and food producers is make sure that our businesses are as resilient, as productive, and as efficient as possible. And so we're fit for any future, no matter what that is, beyond, uh, beyond Brexit or beyond the current budget or current Parliament. So... Uh, that's what it means. There's this fantastic phrase of um, things you can worry about and things you can control. Uh, and in the whole scheme of Brexit, there's an awful lot of things that we could worry about and things that are completely um, you know, being dealt with at the very, very highest level behind closed doors with, with no information at all com coming out. So th there's no point worrying about what those things might be. At the end of the day, we run businesses. We run businesses with supply chains and with markets. And so looking just purely at this being a moment in time to review business strategy, to work out costs, innovation, opportunities around business structure. Um, has, has to be, it has to be just a moment in time to do that. that and, and so focusing purely on uh, those aspects that you can control within your own business is, enables any business to cut out the noise of, of the current 
regulatory chaos that's going on around us. I think I like that element of the theme because that double double sort of meaning to it. There's fit for the future from a business perspective, but also from a personal level as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had uh, a number of speakers today who've, who've spoken personally. Uh, Stuart Roberts obviously works in the area of health and safety and, and takes mental health very seriously. And so we've had some great sessions. In fact, we had a breakout session here streaming live to the agricultural colleges where we focused on uh, on, on health and safety and mental health uh, in particular. And and actually, a lot of the people who are, who are really successful at what they do, uh, yes, they look after their businesses, but actually they look after themselves as well. So they're, um, they're people to look up to for a number of different reasons. And it's exciting to have such a great roster uh, of, those, uh, of those elite here today. Well, we do need to be concerned about health and well-being in general because there are an awful lot of businesses within the industry at the moment who are going to be put under a huge amount of strain by the regulatory change. The single farm payment, for right or wrong reasons, has, has feather-bedded businesses. It has enabled businesses to carry on under a system of farming without really having to scrutinise what they're doing and how. And so for a lot of businesses, this might be the first time they've really analysed what they're doing. And at a time like that, it is worrying, it's concerning for them. There's loads of support out there, and I think that's one of the other reasons for a conference like this at a time like this, is to say, don't worry, there are loads of people out there who have done this before. You're not reinventing the wheel. Everybody goes through this business cycle, and it's just part of the cycle of life to now be sitting down and thinking about this. So don't worry, but start acting and ask for help. Yeah, I think the, the important thing personally and strategically is to just is to is to be the best we can be. I, I started with a, a quote from my, one of my favourite films from Top Gun. Uh, you are the top one percent, the elite, the best of the best. We will make you better. And actually, I think the I missed really that. Good... I was stuck on the other oh, twenty. Oh, I'm sorry, you missed that. I'll deliver it again <laughs> oh. in a kind of gruff style later on. Thank you. Um, but but actually, I think we're, we're very lucky. We've got some great farmers and farm practitioners who aren't resting on their laurels. They're trying to be better, and that's personally and uh, and strategically. And that's a really kind of clarion call for the entire industry to to, to be doing the same thing. Uh, Stood behind you is the emblem logo of the East of England Agricultural Society. Tom, what is the role and the relevance of the East of England Agricultural Society and similar organisations today? Well, I'm really excited about the East of England Agricultural Society. Uh, there are two key focuses, which happen to be two things I'm passionate about. One is uh, presenting agriculture, farming and the countryside, rural life to the general public. And the other is helping farmers to learn and kind of disseminate information about farming to become better farmers. Uh, I'm really passionate about both of them. So, And I think there's a, there's a great call, an increased call actually, for both those kind of tenets in, in today's in, you know today's industry there's a lovely element of continuity as well in, in the sense that you know as an agricultural society you've been going for over 100 years I guess I'm gonna say yes <laughs> and you know the industry has been through no end of changes since that time you know we, we're just now marking the centenary of the end of the first world war great agricultural depression the agriculture act 1947 joining the common, agri um, common agriculture policy, you know, joining the EU and, uh, and now theory coming out of that. And I, and I do think that the society as a whole provides continuity, provides expertise, it provides that sense of um, guardianship over the industry, which again at a time of change means it will become a focal point for um, farmers looking to evolve their businesses going forwards. Emily, you chaired the first session of the day. Um, which is entitled Decision Makers, in which we had uh, Neil Parrish MP, Stuart Roberts, Patrick Holden and Andrew Fern involved. 
it was a broad-ranging discussion, but what lessons can we take from that first session? You know, some of the disappointing thing from my point of view is that there's a lack of clarity still over the purpose of what agricultural policy is trying to achieve in the UK context. And um, I think, if anything, the discussion will highlight that as an industry, we do need much greater clarity and certainty, you know, really to be made certain what role government is playing in this, what role the supply chain needs to play in this, and then what role does does business need to play in this? And you know, if we are to be autonomous, independent farm businesses, then we need a structure which enables us to deliver that. At, at the moment, we're sort of wanting there to be a lot more in the agriculture bill, wanting there to be a lot more guidance and a lot more role for government. And that's understandable because that's what we've always had. But I took from that that there's not really that in there and there's the whole debate over should food be on the front of it well I think the message is coming out from behind closed doors within the government is that food is a private good because there's a market for it and therefore it's not a public good and therefore it's not within the public good section of the agriculture bill so I think we would all benefit from more clarity over what role agricultural policy itself is intended to have in a UK context. Emily, Tom, thank you very much. What a day that was the Eastern England Farming Conference. Um, what have I taken away today? I mean, I think sometimes you can question the relevance of conferences, um, but one thing that they are very, very good at is re-inspiring you to go back afresh to your own business um, and to look at it through slightly different lenses. There are multiple challenges that we face moving forward, um, but I think together if we can learn from each other, uh, take little bits here and there, then that can help us um, move forward. I want to thank Tom and the rest of the team at the East of England Agriculture Society for putting on a brilliant event. The food was fantastic, everything ran to time, uh, the speakers I couldn't fault. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant day. Thank you, guys. Uh, next week, I'm off to Wales, off to Snowdonia, with Matt Williams and the Wild Voices Project, doing a joint podcast, which I'm really excited for. Uh, we'll be speaking to Teleri Fielden on a National Trust farm there. But from now, from the A14, I will say goodbye, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>